Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Trendle Bed Tales podcast. Today is episode 67 of our numbered main episodes, organizing your Laura Ingalls Wilder collection. In this episode, uh, we're going to talk about how to organize your collection and um, how to what you may want to collect and where to find things to add to it. And before we get going with that, let us do a little housekeeping. And as always, I like to start the top of the episode by reminding you that you can call in to 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253 or toll-free 187-TOLL-FREE 1-877-633-9389. By calling in, you can listen through your phone or you can make a comment or ask a question. The chat room is also now open on the page and we're sure glad to have comments or questions posted there as well while the show is live. Now, I do want to uh, add to that a little bit today. Um, I sadly do not have the next episode scheduled. I just don't seem to be able to get very far ahead, though I've got good hopes for getting that uh, taken care of in June. But I have been listening to a whole new set of podcasts because uh, we are starting to plan a trip to Walt Disney World which I am very excited about. And as always, as I discover a new little group of podcasts by theme, I see new ways of people doing things and ideas uh, that they want to have uh, with them. So uh, look for me to try some different things in the podcast in, in the next couple months. And one of those was to make sure that I always tell people all the ways they can contact me. So, if you want to find out more about Trundle Bed Tales, I recommend going to my website, www.trundlebedtales.com, my blog, trundlebedtales.wordpress.com. You can find me on Twitter and on Facebook under Trundle Bed Tales, Google Plus under Sarah Utah. I also have things, accounts going under Vimeo. And... YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Academia U, basically all over the web, and you can find those to going to uh, http colon slash slash about dot me slash Sarah underscore Utah. So be sure to try other things out if you like Trundle Bed Tales and join me around the web. And with that, let's get back into the episode. 
And today's episode, as I mentioned, is going to be about uh, about organizing your collection. And I have been working on this quite a bit lately uh, because if you have been listening to me on uh, social media, you know that one of my longtime goals was to have a Laura Ingalls Wilder building. There was uh, a not exactly local, but an Eastern Iowa man who had an entire room in his house for his Roy Rogers collection, and the local news did a story on it. And I was just like, wow, that is so amazing. I want that for my Laura collection. There really wasn't a room in the house I could have, so I actually have built, um, you'd probably call it like a workshop out uh, on the farm where I can store all my Laura stuff. And that has led me to reorganize. And and I would really recommend, even if you don't have a place to long-term have all your collection out, it's a good idea to pull it out from all the little nicks and crannies. Because before I had this building, I had boxes in the attic, garage, there was stuff in the basement, in closets, just stuck all over the place. And honestly... I don't think I still have found everything that I had because I am still looking for a hickory nut-headed doll that I absolutely know I bought. I have a picture of it, but can I find the stupid thing? And a brochure that I had bought from the Missouri Extension Service. I know there's things I haven't found yet. So putting them together not only makes sure that you at least have sort of an idea where things are, it also lets you see what you have duplicates of because I truly had not realized how many duplicates I had until I started putting things together. And part of that is because as you're thinking in your head, oh, I want this, and then you get one, it's harder to cross it off mentally. So a few months later, if you see it again, oh, I was looking for one of those, and it's real easy to buy multiple copies. Also, it's real easy if you know something that is something good and you see it going, well, wow, it should be worth more than that. And so you go ahead and buy it even though you really didn't need it to. So putting everything together really gives you an idea of exactly what you have, what you want to hold on to, what you maybe want to get rid of or move along because nobody has all the space in the world. And that's just, I think, a good starting place if you already have a collection. Whether you do or not, the next step would be to put what they call in archives or museums a scope note together. And what that does is it tells you exactly exactly what uh, a what are you going to have in this collection what are the parameters there are people who try and have some of everything and sadly I'm about there but it's really good to have limits on what you're going to have so you may start out going um, I am not going to collect this, I'm going to collect that. So in my case, I wasn't going to collect dolls for a long time until somebody asked me to do a program on it and Rubicon was totally crossed and now I have a ton of dolls. But that was a clear thing I could say, well, I'm just not going to get dolls. 
Or you could say, uh, I'm not going to get, you know, little trinkets if you didn't want to collect, say, the bells or uh, just anything uh, like that. That would be sort of a line in the sand you didn't cross. Or you could always, or you should say a goal, like uh, I'm going to get at least one copy of all the editions. Or your goal could be something like uh, I'm going to try and get one of every pencil, for example, that they have at Laura's site. Um, because there's just so much to get. So it's a good idea to get in your mind settled on what you are trying to collect and what you aren't trying to collect. And it's good to have a little bit of a budget in mind too, but if you can even come up with that much, you know, I am collecting this, I'm not collecting that, it'll make things a lot easier. So having organized my, my stuff, I was starting with the books. I really had talked to various people and gotten ideas and gotten notions, but I really didn't get a very good kind of schema um, or organizational strategy in place. Now, you could do your books with the Dewey Decimal. There is a way to get a number for each one of them, and it would be fine. But it just, I when you get to specialty collections, it gets harder to effectively use Dewey. There are other organizational systems too, like Library of Congress or Vatican, but really, for something like this, this is too specialized and it's going to be a pain if you try and use those. So this is the, the organization I came out with. Uh, the, I started, and this is a, an, well, it's about a shelf length and a half of a regular bookshelf like you'd see in the library. Uh, but So I started out with it empty to kind of organize things. And on the left, I started with the little house books themselves. I have them organized by sets and then by individual titles. So, for example, I have one large print edition of one of the books. So that's just a single title. Uh, there's a deluxe edition of Little House on the Prairie, and none of the other books ever came out as a deluxe edition. There's um, read-aloud versions of only Little House on, in the Big Woods and Little House on the Prairie. So anything that's individual, that there isn't a whole run on the series, is next. After that, uh, I've got other books by Laura, which includes article collections, foreign editions in English, and simplifications. Those are like the picture books, the easy readers, the... Um, actual chapter, off book, chapter books that they did. So various things like that are in order. Then the spin-offs. Uh, we just had a comment in the chat room from Nancy that she wants it to be a video chat. I guess I will have to do some later so you could see it. Actually, this part is fairly well organized, so there's nasty things happening in other parts of my room, or the building in terms of junk and clutter, but these are actually pretty well organized. So besides, uh, after the foreign editions and simplifications, I have the spin-offs that aren't rows. And that's the whole first section. Then the next shelf, and some of these are actually just partial shelves because I ran out of room. I really need at least one additional full bookcase, which hopefully I will eventually get. 
I have it. It's just sitting in a pile in the corner, and I need my brother, hint, 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 to put it together. But uh, as he's not listening, that would probably wasted effort. So anyway, we're starting then with the second bookshelf, and the top of it is William T. Anderson, and it's all of his books that aren't in the little booklet form, because I will come back to those later. Then Johnny Miller. The next section of shelves is for illustrations. So I have some on Harvey Dunn, who was uh, Grace's nephew. And if you have not looked at Harvey Dunn stuff, you need to stop in the South Dakota State Art Museum next time you are in South Dakota and take a look because they are just marvelous. And it's, I'm really very sad he didn't ever get asked to do at least some of the little short stories of um, Dolores stuff because he his stuff is amazing. But anyway, so I've got Harvey Dunn. I have Helen Gentry, who was the book designer who did the original Garth Williams set. And man alive, she has such a great eye. I mean, she did mostly art books, and you can sure tell that. In fact, I have an entire presentation where I tell you all about that, but I won't go in that today. And then I have Bertha Hader, who, uh, with her husband Elmer, were the ones that recommended that Rose try and try and um, make the book into a picture book. So I've got some of theirs, including the Stone House, which, if you're only going to have two of them. I would really recommend, of their works, I would recommend The Big Snow, which is the one they won, won the Caldecott for, and uh, The Stone House, which was their version of building their own house by themselves out on the East Coast. It is just very nice. So uh, that's the haters. Then I've got Helen Sewell. I would have Helen um, Boyle, Boylston next, but really have anything in the books for her alone. And so then I have Garth Williams. Um, and I'm just, I am laughing occasionally because Nancy is making comments in the chat room, which reminds me, if you are not in the chat room, you should be. So it is open now and you can find that on the Blog Talk Radio uh, page for the episode. All right, so that gets us to the next section and that's biographies and literary analysis. So right after the illustrators, I have children's biographies, and there are certainly a lot of them. And I organize them by author. Then I have literary analysis references, which I mean by that they are general literary analysis books on topics that include Laura's work, so there are references to it. So it's so for, uh, it's an example of that would be uh, Dear Genius by Ursula Nordstrom, which is, uh, well, that's not really literary analysis, but but that's the kind of idea. So like uh, Dear Genius by Ursula Nordstrom, which is a collection of letters by uh, the head of the children's department at Harper's for many years, and there is a letter in there uh, to and from Laura. Uh, so that would be an example. So there's just a part of the work is is uh, dedicated to Laura. Then literary analysis, the whole book. 
So that's like Janet Spayes' book, uh, Lauren Gold Wilder, Constructing the Little House by Anne Romney. Um, it's remain. See, I should have written newer notes. <laughs> anyway, so that is the uh, analysis of the whole, whole book. Then the next section is historical partial. So that's things like a locust, where it's talking about the, lo the grasshopper plague in general, but there are references to Laura in it. So they're books that are on a topic that isn't Laura, but have references to Laura, her family, her books in them. Then books inspired by Laura, nonfiction. So that's going to be things like The Wilder Life. And there's about half a shelf of those. Books inspired by Laura fiction. And there's all sorts of little things on that. My favorite one is, uh, it wasn't quite inspired by Laura, but it's a picture book that takes place in the Anderson House in um, Wabasha, um, Wisconsin, where, or no, Minnesota, Wabasha, Minnesota, where uh, it was a hotel that a lot of Laura fans used to stay at, and you checked out your own cat, and I just love that. So going on from that, I have a section on travel, which is, again, books just on Little House Travel and books that are about literary travel that have a section on Laura. And then I have autograph albums. Because autograph albums, I think, is just a really great thing. Laura's got a nice section on it. Uh, her, one, well, at least one of her autograph albums exists in the uh, library, the Loring Wilder branch of the library in Mansfield. Uh, and there are autograph albums from other family members around at the various museums. I just think they're really cool. So I have um, various autograph albums that I've collected. I've got books of autograph album sayings. Uh, I have my little autograph album that I have Laura People sign and autograph when I go around. So all of that's on that shelf. Then I've got about a shelf and a half of teaching aids, which are either books to that touch on the whole series and how to teach them, or uh, books that are on a particular title. So there's like uh, a workbook on how to teach Little House in the Big Woods. And there are some for Farmer Boy and some for Little House in the Prairie and, and on like that. And each one of those has their own uh, magazine holder are in by book. The next section is craft and sewing. And a lot of these came out... Um, when they were working very hard at making the Little House books as close to the American Girls books as possible, which was really raking in a lot of money back then. Sadly, the books part of that has gone by the wayside. But uh, that was, uh, they came out with a bunch of craft books and sewing books and uh, diaries and just all that kind of general stuff is on the next shelf. Then I go back to foreign editions, non-English, so all the different editions that I have in other languages. Then audio recordings, all formats, so I've got cassette tapes, I have, um, I have CDs, I have records, all that stuff. Then the next two sheets are, or shelves are theses. And then informational 
films on both DVD and video and um, and various things like that. Next, railroad and newspapers get their own section just because I think they're an interesting topic and one that I, I try and go back to a lot. Then we're up to the TV show on NBC, books and DVDs, and also other sectional presentations on DVDs. So that would be like where Beyond the Prairie is. Then I have a section on cookbooks, photo albums, the home site newsletters, Christmas, mail order catalogs, which actually I have a book in there about Montgomery Ward. It is just fascinating. There is not much on those um, in, in out there. I, I just think he was a fascinating man, and I can't believe there isn't a good adult biography on him, but I haven't found one. And the kids' biography I found was very interesting, but very out of date. I'm sure there's been more research by then. Uh, we have another question in the chat room. Uh, how do you put your theses in do you keep them in binders or folders, and how do you store those? I print them off on paper, three-hole punch them, and put them in uh, binders with the name of the thesis and the person who wrote it on the outside. So I have um, um, I have binders that are roughly the size of one thesis. So they have their little individual things mostly. There's like a couple that have to share, but I'm working on getting them all down to the same size or at least the size as close as they can with the number of pages because they have a variety of pages. Uh, those are almost all directly Laura-related. Um, for example, I have William Anderson, uh, but I also have... Uh, some that are a little more out there, like the depiction of Native Americans in fiction at Harper's and things like that. And to go on, oh, and I should say, theses can be, they are probably the hardest thing that um, I have to do in terms of getting a hold of them in the first place because. Some of them you can interlibrary loan. Some of them you have to contact the library personally or get somebody to go over there uh, who's in the area to photocopy them for you. And it can be hard even finding they exist to begin with. The main depository of those is the ProQuest uh, database, but you have to pay up to actually get access to the database to even find out that they exist. There is a, and I can't see me doing air quotes, free search available, but it stinks. There's a lot more than that shows. Um, then there is a, another question. Uh, how do I organize magazine articles by date, by publication, author, or what? Uh, she says, Gina it's Nancy asking, she says, Gina organizes by publication, but I do by date. And that is actually further along in my, um, in my list. But basically, I have file cabinets for those, and I do them by subject. I also keep a searchable, sortable list where I put whether I have it, 
whether it's a copy or an original, whether what the title is, the author, the publication, the volume and issue if I have it, and the author, and a note about the subject. So that I could do, for example, if I wanted to know about the pageants, I could do uh, find pageant. Or if I wanted to know, art, find articles that are about Walnut Grove, or if they're about one of the books or whatever, I can do a find uh, search for that. You know, and I am running out of time here, but I want to, I may have to come back and do the second part of this as a part two episode. But I will try and at least get through the books here because I think I'll have time to do that. So, um, Let's see, we had the mail order. Then comes the booklets. And those are the little sort of uh, small books. They're paperbacks. Some of them, sometimes they're just stapled together for the spine. And a lot of those have had issues um, by, uh, have had various um, additions through the years that they change over the years, especially. Uh, Bill Anderson's books, who he he can practically rewrite the whole thing in between editions. So it really isn't fair. If you're quoting something out of that, you have to be very specific that you have the edition. And sometimes it's hard to um, see if you've got all of them or not. But So I have those little magazine holders that have um, the – that uh, I have each one of those titles in. And I also put things like – Story of the Wilders by Dorothy Smith, those kind of things also have their own um, their own um, holders. And let's see. And I'm working on being quick so I get through this before the end of the episode. Um, then I have uh, books that were mentioned in the series, so like the Taylor History. Uh, the Paws Big Green Animal book. And on that same shelf, I keep blue, the Blue Books of Missouri because I have one from 1910, 1911. For some reason, I, I don't even know where I got it. It doesn't have anything about Laura in it, but I've got one from 49 that does have a Laura reference that's part of my ongoing quest to track down this McCarthy, or, um, MacArthur connection. Don't have time to go into that going on. So, and I also include series. So, like, uh, I had the in, independent reader that is mentioned in the books. So, I've been working on getting the entire line of independent readers. Uh, so, those are on the same shelf. Then I have Father Desmet, nonfiction related topics. So, there's a bunch there on pioneer life. There's some on breeding horses. There are some on restoring prairies. So, they're nonfiction. But they have something to do with something that's important in Laura, and there's not enough of them to warrant their own shelf. Then uh, I have history that isn't Laura related to the places that she lived. So, um, like, I have, uh, well, I just got a picture history of Mansfield that'll be going on that shelf, that kind of thing. And then I have readers and anthologies where there is at least a chapter in the book on Laura, but the whole thing isn't. And most of those are just chapters of her book taken into um, 
taken into uh, a reader or something, uh, made into a short story. And very quickly, uh, I have... If I run out of time, which I think I will, I will finish through the books and answer the questions in the chat room <laughs> and answer the questions in the chat room before I log off. But I am going to pick up from there, I think, with a part two. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe I'll try and get it done this month yet since I've been short on the ones that I've, I've done. But I will finish the books and answer the 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 things, but I may disappear if you're listening to me. But this, the whole thing will be in the archive. Uh, that gets us to the rose selection, which is rose uh, by roses first, or collections that has a rose story in them, or like I have a collection of her newspaper articles are first. Then there's a section of finding aids from uh, the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library, which I have a couple of because they change them. Uh, they got a new archivist. Oh, it's been a while now, probably. Oh, gosh, seven years? Probably. Um, they got a different archivist there who, who thought there was too much information in the finding aids and that they would make them more accessible by slimming them down. So if you have the older edition of the finding aids, it's a good thing. I also have printed copies of the finding aid for the William Holtz collection, which is a separate thing, not part of the Laura collection. And none of the finding aids, by the way, mention the fact they have things that are not in the document collection, like photos and videos and that sort of thing. You just have to know they may have something like that and ask, which is another complaint for another day. So then we've got uh, nonfiction books about Rose, spin-off, uh, the spin-off books about Rose, Related books, for example, New Dawn for America by Roger Lee McBride that have something to do with uh, Rose's life. The TV shows based on Rose's books. Uh, and then uh, I've got a hard copy of one of her diaries that I printed out. And then uh, any or some other book, or another book by Holt, which I think shines a whole bunch of light on Ghost in the Little House. But that's the end of the rose section, and that's it for the book. So now to finish up the questions, uh, let's see. There was a roll up. Let's see. Um, all right, well, I answered about the articles. I file them by subject, which I think it's a good idea to have them filed different ways because that way different people can find them Um I mean, if you're just going to replicate, for example, what Hoover has and use the same subject headings, what's the point? They could go there. So I think it's good to have them organized different ways. It gives you different ideas. Uh, we have, um, let's see, we have a request to see. I have some on the Facebook page. I will reshare the album, and I guess I will have to put together a little video so that people can see them. Uh there was a request to put in a show and tell at Laura Palooza. I don't think that's going to happen just looking at the schedule. And I hadn't put in for it anyway. Uh, there was... Uh, yeah, I mentioned that she was an author and uh, organized. Yeah, that's... Until I got the building, I wasn't either. It's just impossible to be organized if you don't have everything at one place at a time. 
and then Nancy asked what a blue book was, and a blue book is actually um, in Iowa they're called red books, in Missouri they're called blue books because of the color of the outside of the book. And basically the state government puts them out and they have things in them, information about the state, they have the current legislatures, uh, who, who's in it, they have who's the heads of major departments, they have chapters on state history about state, the state rock and state flower and all that stuff. So um, that that's what the blue book is, and you probably call it someplace uh, something else. In fact, one time when I first started a, a working, well, I was working a larger or a public library at the time, and a guy came in and asked me by what the real title of the book was, and I had never ever heard it called anything other than the red book. So I was stared at him like he was insane, and he, I'm sure, thought I was terribly. Uh, terribly uninformed, but we finally figured out what, what he was talking about. We were able to get to them. Uh, a question about if they were in my will. Well, I do think that is actually something to, that I will probably go over more in depth in part two of this, but actually I do have a plan for my collection in my will, and you should too, and that will be something in, in part two. Um, then... People keep typing in, which is great. We haven't had this much action in this chat room for a long time. Um, and you know, oh no, it's still going. Okay. Um, so there's some comments that they don't think they're a serious collection. You can be a serious collection and not have everything. Honestly, if you pick one area, I mean, you have the general stuff, and then if you pick one area to really go in depth in, that really, and, and research about the background of the different things, I think you can just do one thing and be a serious collector. It's just that I am a little overboard in it. My My mother is always telling me I could have bought a brand new car for cash with the amount of money I've put in this, but it I don't think that's quite true because normally I get them pretty cheap, but I do have a lot of stuff. Uh, and um, let's see. Duh. All right. And I think that's all the questions. Well, thank you for sticking with me and from the extended time. And we will cover uh, some of this again. We will definitely have to do part two. And I th want to thank so much for the people who showed up in the chat room. My chat rooms have been very quiet lately. Most people tend to listen to these as archives. So I was very glad to see that today. And um, I guess look for part two of this episode because it seemed to be rather popular and I will let you know as soon as I get that set up and in the meantime uh, be sure to brighten the corner where you are
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.